Welcome to the Popcorn Wine Down with Tammy and Eddie. Grab your popcorn, get yourself a glass of wine, and come hang out with us as we discuss TV shows, movies, music, and pop culture. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Popcorn Wine Down. I'm Eddie. And I'm Tammy. And this week we will be discussing the Kissing Booth 2. But first, let's get to the wine down. Um, there are a lot of reboots um, in the news this week. Uh, a lot of TV shows are getting makeovers. One of them um, that we've been hearing about for a while, Saved by the Bell. Um, that trailer is finally airing on Peacock. Um, and it picks up with, I guess, a new generation. Um, Zach and Kelly's kids, uh, Jesse Jesse's and Slater kids. are scheduled. Yeah. Jesse's kids, Jesse and Slater, um, the actual actors, um, they're scheduled to be part of it. No word on Mark Carl Gosling or Amber. Amber. Oh, well, he, no, he's, he's supposed to actually show up in at least one episode. He's agreed to at least one episode. They're waiting on Tiffany Amber Thiessen, though. Yeah, um, and he, he's supposed to be like the governor of California or something now, isn't yeah. he? Like some big wig or whatever. So that would be interesting. This is like the 20th reboot or in some way, shape, or form of Saved by the Bell. But <laughs> hey, it's also like my childhood. I love them. <laughs> yeah, it's also like your childhood coming back. And yes. I don't know if that, that's designed to make us feel old or just nostalgic. I'm going to go with nostalgic. Okay? I'm going to go with nostalgic. Um, and then also speaking of childhood, uh, I guess this is more later, like your teenage years, uh, Clueless is getting a reboot. Um, this one is gonna focus on the character of Dion, who was played by Stacey Dash's character. No, Stacey Dash is not reprising the role of Dion. Thank God. I, I, I co-sign on that one. But um, from what I've read, they're still supposed to be in high school and Dion becomes Queen B. She actually takes over for Cher uh, when Cher disappears. And so the, the main focus of the show is going to be how Dion now adjust, uh, adjusts to being the Queen B and what happened to Cher, why she disappeared and all of that. So it's gonna, I guess it's gonna have some, sort of like a mystery element to it, um, to it as well. So we will see. Um, I hope they kind of focus it and bring it forward. I don't really want to go back to the night, the early 2000s like that. I don't want it to be like a rip, like a Riverdale. Like even if they bring it to the present day, um, I still want to have kind of the feel of what Clueless was when it first premiered. Like yeah, what made it so special? Theme shows now. I don't want that to be Clueless. No, I don't. I don't want it to be a Riverdale rip off either or focus or anything like that so hopefully they'll still keep what made clueless so special yes um also i know you're excited about this one i'm just going to say the name of the person attached to star zach efron <laughs> i was waiting on that that's why i got that one out of the way but he is um attached to star in a three men in a baby reboot from disney plus um, no word on who the other two men are going to be, but he is going to be the lead character in that. I'm really so, excited uh, about this one because it was one of my favorite movies from when I was younger. Me and my mom would always watch Three Men in a 
and a baby. And then when the uh, second one came out, Three Men and a Little Lady, we also watched that all the time back to back. And then of course, everybody knows that I love Zac Efron. So putting my favorite movie from childhood as well as Zac Efron together, like I'm super excited and they need to hurry up and make this movie for me. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> I liked the movie Three Men and a Baby. I did, but I wasn't as crazy about it as you were. I did not watch the sequel. Um, yeah, Zac Efron is okay. So you you know we all have okay. our we we all have our things. Zac Efron <laughs> is yours. I'm gonna let you keep that one. Um, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air is also getting a reboot, and this one is with a twist. This is going to be more along the dramatic lines instead of the comedic lines. So it's going to it's being touted or shopped around as a drama, and Will Smith is attached to produce, not star. So. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see how they do that. And I think it it could be done because there are some, one of the best episodes is when Ben, ben excuse me, Ben Vereen came back as Will's father in season five. Oh my gosh, that one still tugs at my heartstrings today. So they, they did tackle some dramatic moments in the show and I'm sure even now it would still have some comedic moments. So I'm gonna go ahead and call it a dramedy. Um, and Who's the Box is getting a reboot starring Alyssa Milano and Tony Danza. Um, of course, you know, he would be the grandfather now and she would be the mother. And um, that's really all I know about it. There really hasn't been too much other news about that. So um, no word on Judith Light, who starred as Angela and eventually became Tony's wife, will co-star in that. But um, we'll see. Also in the news this week, uh, new to late night is the Amber Ruffin Show. It's going to premiere on the Peacock Network. Um, those of you who watch Seth Late Night with Seth Meyers, you may know Amber Ruffin. Um, not only is she a writer on the show, but she also um, is talented. She, and she did a lot more, especially in the beginning of the summer during the protest, the Black Lives Matter protest. I'm really excited because we were talking about this before, how there aren't any Black women in late night TV. Um, I don't think there's been a black co-host in late night TV since the Arsenio Hall show. Like, probably yeah. not. And and she's like she's a very prominent member. Like I love. Um, oh my god, I forgot what the segment is. But on Seth Meyers, where um, things that Seth can't say, um, like jokes oh, that Seth yeah. can't tell, jokes that Seth can't tell. And then you have Amber Ruffin, and you have um, Jenny. Oh, I forgot. I, I don't know what her last name is. And it's really, really good on how, you know, the diversity of Jenny and Amber with Seth in the middle is really, really cool. So she's she's been a prominent member of his show um, since the very, very beginning. And I've always loved that about the Seth Meyers show. Yeah, so um, she's still going to be part of the show. I think she's still going to write for Seth. And yes. um, so you won't miss that as well as do her own show. So I'm really, really excited to see how that goes. Um, and I hope it is a success. Um, HBO is looking forward to it too. Um, MTV has announced its VMA performers. And um, of course, that includes BTS, Doja Cat, Cinco, J Balvin, Roddy Rich, The Weeknd, and Lady Gaga. So um, as we stated, BTS is still going to be performing from Korea. They're not coming to New York. And I think everybody else is probably going to be spread out at the different boroughs through New York City. And I guess the awards are going to be given out virtually. I, yeah. I'm still not sure how they're going to handle all of that. Um, speaking of uh, 
that MTV is owned by CBS and Viacom and CBS has just announced that um, all of their cop shows, all their NCIS shows, SWAT, um, all of them, they have partnered with an advisory board um, to help portray, to help them have more realistic portrayals of police officers and what happens in the aftermath of some of the things that they do on these shows. And um, I've been hearing about this for a while, so I'm really interested to see how this works. Um, I watch SWAT and I watch NCIS Los Angeles. I love NCIS Los Angeles. And, you know, even as an avid watcher or viewer of cop shows, there were were times when I'm like, dude, you would so be sued right now. Um, So... (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, um, just the things. I think, like, will it... See, my concern is, is it going to dramatically change the shows that... The parts of the shows that I love? Like, I watch SWAT, um, and certain things, it's kind of like, okay, that's ridiculous. But it's, it's for the drama. It's for you to be entertained. And also, you have Blue Bloods and NCIS and how they treat certain characters and everything like that. Like, is that going to take away from the dr- drama of the shows? Like, and... and- I'm like, what does an accurate portrayal of law enforcement looks like? Because I feel that kind of seeing the the roughness that of how cops treat um, perpetrators, like that looks accurate to me on on yeah. how they rough them up. Now we don't get to see the ones who are reprimanded for what they do, but is like I said, like is it going to take away? the realistic view of the negative side of law enforcement? I don't know. I know Shamar Moore, who stars on SWAT, he he was, he had said for a long time that he struggled with playing. He loved the role that he plays as the leader of the SWAT team. And, but they kind of danced around how that went for him, how being, how it was to be black and be a cop and be in this prominent position and some of the things that you have to do. Um, so it really didn't tackle a lot of that. So I think part of his thing is he wanted to get into tackling those aspects of issues more. And so I think it may help me, especially on a show like SWAT, which is a little different from NCIS. NCIS, you're dealing more with spies and stuff like that, you know, so they're, they're, I, I'm not trying to give it an excuse, but their culpability is a little bit different in a spy game, if that makes sense. Um, But as far as SWAT goes, I think it really would be interesting um, because there are times when you see that they're dancing around certain issues, especially when it comes to to policing in the neighborhood. Um, It's just like certain things that that they veered away from. So I'm I'm hoping it will help them tackle that in a more realistic view. Um, But I'm with you. I don't want it to diminish the entertainment value because, you know, I realize that SWAT is a TV show and I realize that some things are done for dramatic effect and things of that nature. Um, and I want to be entertained. So, I don't want to be bored. Exactly. <laughs> now the one show that I'm waiting to see how it will affect is our other favorite. Um, and that is, yeah, Chicago PD. So we'll see um, what they do on that show, which is on NBC. And Speaking of entertainment and entertainment value, AMC is officially reopening next week on August 20th. 
and their admission price is going to be 15 cents that whole day. And that was the price of tickets way back in 1920. So um, they're hoping that to get people into the movies and um, some of the first movies coming out are Unhinged, which is starring Russell Crowe. And that's going to be um, on August 21st. The New Mutants are going to premiere a week later on August 28th. And then Tenet is finally going to make its domestic preview, um, premiere, excuse me, on September 3rd, which is around Labor Day weekend. I'm even for 15 cents, I'm not going to the movies. I'm sorry. Um, and I read about like all of the changes that they're doing, like um, the cleaning and the safety measures that they're taking. Like they're really, really trying. And I, I do know like how the movie theater business was really hit hard um, by this whole pandemic. And they've literally been bleeding, bleeding money for these last couple months. And they were already bleeding money before the pandemic pandemic happened. Um, because it's so expensive to show these huge movies in theater. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm a little excited. I'm going to wait to see how it goes first. Like, you know, how, how are you going to do this before I even think to go back to the movie theaters? Like, show me yeah. some evidence um, of how this is going to work for you. <laughs> yes. The article I read, and I will... Uh, get a link posted to it 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 really because the response in the states are so different um it it really really just i it it made it seem like movie theaters would be the the least safest places to go during this time and so um yeah i i'm with you i'm gonna wait i miss the movies i love the movies it would be great to kind of get out the house a little bit and go just chill but Cause you know, that was the safe space. That was the decompressed space. Yes. But um, yeah, I don't know. We, we, we gonna see, we just gonna, <laughs> we just gonna put that in a wait and see file. Cause yeah, um, 50, look, what did you get for 15 cents besides seeing uh, Unhinged? Rona, not, not worth it. So yeah. No, and that's the funny thing is that like, it's supposed to premiere on the 21st. So that's not even the 15 cent ticket. Mm-hmm. So what are you I know it, 15 cent? Exactly. Because it's like, okay, are you going to go back to the movies that was showing before the pandemic? Are you going to go back? Like some of them are saying that, well, uh, for you, you could watch Inception because I know a lot of theaters, what they're doing, because just from the trailer, Tenet looks like it's not necessarily a sequel to Inception, but it's along the same lines it's of very Inception. Close, and Inception very close to it. Yeah, and Inception is an excellent movie. And I'm not just saying that because I love Leonardo DiCaprio and just about everything he does, except for Hoover. We won't talk about that. Or the beat. But I actually like the beat. Mm-hmm. I took it for what it was. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so you could probably go see Inception for 15 cents if you wanted. I don't know, but I, you know, I'm just saying. Oh, um, little bit there. Inception is now on Amazon Prime, <laughs> so I can actually watch it in my living room for free um, on Amazon Prime. So it is on my watch list. Just to let you know, I will be watching it. <laughs> okay, so popcorn wine downers. That means we're gonna kick it old school with an inception review i will keep you posted on when that is coming yay (laughs) all right and uh 
speaking of reviews, today we're going to be reviewing the Kissing Booth. But before we get to that, there's some news about the Kissing Booth stars, Joey King and Jacob Ellerty. Um, Joey King is becoming quite a force to be reckoned with in Hollywood at such a young age. She has just signed a first look production deal with Hulu, which is a very big deal. And she has several movies coming out. One of them is The Lie, which is a, a supernatural th thriller with through Bloomhouse. And there was also some news about her possibly auditioning for the role of Katara in the last Airbender reboot. That was a rumor. It was not true. I know. I, that's what I was going to say. She shot that down and she actually came out and said that a white person should not audition for that role. So I'm, yeah, I'm happy to see that people are taking these issues of representation and making sure that even um, animated characters are represented more accurately, um, you know, as far as the people who voice them and things of that nature. So hopefully this isn't just a face because it's the quote unquote cool thing to do right now, but hopefully this is something that carries through and we finally get all these groups represented in Hollywood um, more accurately. And also something that we can talk about when we get to the review, um, there's been a lot of questions and a lot of stories about what it was like working with Jacob Ellerty. Um, again, they had dated during the original Kissing Booth movie and a little while after, and then they broke up before they start filming Kissing Booth 2. So what is it like working with your ex? And does that affect the chemistry of the characters? So um, stay tuned and find out as we discuss the Kissing Booth 2. Spoiler alert, it's time for our Kissing Booth 2 review. Um, and the Kissing Booth picks up, this one picks up exactly where the first one leaves off with Elle and Noah spending a romantic summer together before he's off to Harvard and she continues on with her senior year in high school. Um, and again, Joey King is reprising her role as Elle Evans, Jacob Ellerty, the very, very handsome Jacob Bellardy is reprising his role as Noah Flynn and Joel Courtney is Lee Flynn, Lee Flynn, the best friend, and Molly Ringwald. Um, she's also Mrs. Flynn. So, and we have a few new characters. Um, Taylor Zakar Perez plays the very, very delicious looking uh, Marco Pena. And uh, we have Maisie Richardson Sellers who plays Chloe Winthrop. So, and Megan Young also reprises her role as um, Rachel, who was Lee Flynn's girlfriend. So that brings us up to date on all the new characters in the movie. What did you think about the Kissing Booth 2? Um, it kind of just gave me a feeling of the first one that I watched. It was nothing, I, I don't feel like there was nothing really new, like no new feelings. It wasn't that I loved it, it was just, it was enjoyable. Like, I'll just put it like that. Like, it, Kissing Booth 2 was as enjoyable as when I was watching Kissing Booth 1. Um, so I watched it and yeah, I'll probably never watch it again. <laughs> but it was good while I was watching it. What about you? Um, I'm going to, yeah, it was enjoyable, I guess. <laughs> I love the first Kissing Booth. Like when I first watched the first Kissing Booth, I could not get enough of it. Like I rewound it, I watched it. I would find myself just randomly wanting to watch a cute story. So I would go back and watch the Kissing Booth. 
Um, it hasn't been that way with The Kissing Booth 2. Um, it was an adequate sequel, but I think it was also quite predictable. Um, so it really, and when I watched it the first time, you know, sometimes I I can be moody. I'm sorry, audience, you might not know, but I can be moody. (laughs) So, um, I found that I may not have been in the best mood to watch it. And so I purposely rewatched it again, just to see if now that I'm in a better mood, um, if my, my opinions of it changed and, um, yeah, it wasn't me. It was the movie. <laughs> at least, at least now you know. At least now you know. At least, yeah, at least now I know. Um, <laughs> I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it as much as the first one. And it was there were some things that I found kind of problematic. And I know a lot more than of the people, first one. Yeah, I know a lot of people said that in the first one um, that they found that Noah and Elle had a toxic relationship. Yes, they did. I agree. That's all like, and, yes. <laughs> okay, and th- that it came from his, you know, it stemmed from his anger issues, which we never really find out the root of. He's, he, he alludes to it a little bit in the first one where he talks about how um, he's just always been like that, getting into fights and his parents took him to doctors and they, but he never goes on. Um, my understanding is that in the book, the original book or the source material for the movie, that it explains more what those anger issues are and why he is the way he is. I haven't read the book and um, I really don't intend to, but so for those that want to know more about that, but the thing that I found I thought L. I didn't really find it so much as toxic. I think L was a calming force in his life, and he actually tried to be better for her. The relationship that I found the most toxic and problematic, even in the first one, was the relationship between Lee and L, who was Noah's little brother and L's best friend. I don't feel that their friendship, like, I know they were selling it as in they were best friends and they'd always been best friends and they grew up together and they were basically like twins, but I never got that. Like, I agree with you on it being such a toxic relationship. I think that Lee was so immature and it wasn't just regular teenage immature. Like, Elle had her moments of being immature and naive and that's, you know, her just being a teenager. But with Lee, I I felt like there was no growth to him. Like, there was no, he was so selfish and immature and, and he, he was a little too dependent on her being his person and nobody yeah. else's, like just his person. And I'm just like, dude, make some friends. <laughs> like, yeah, like, some people. <laughs> like even going back to the first one, it, you kind of get that, okay, there's a civil, there's sibling rivalry there and he and his brother don't really get along, you know, and that that's a brother relationship. And you, you think it alludes to maybe his anger issues. And of course, being his brother, he would know where it stems from and he would see the things that the audience doesn't see off camera. But, you know, it's just like you, the person you say you love the most in the world, your best friend, and there's nothing romantic. There's no hint that there's a romance None whatsoever. That they even, like it's that they fully feel platonic, that it's fully platonic. But the way he just tries to control her life, um, that that to me was problematic. And so even in the second one, in this movie, 
it didn't get any better. The way he lies to Rachel and he lies to her and it's just like, I don't know. That That's what I still found very, very troublesome I mean, was the relationship I, between Elle and Lee. I see. And I, I, w- I would say that there were a lot of toxic relationships um, in both movies. Um, I even found, I, I, I didn't even like um, the lack of a sibling bonding between Lee and Noah. Because I felt like in a way, Noah went out of his way to not form a relationship uh, with his little brother. And it could be partly because he had always liked Elle. And so, you know, he didn't want to necessarily like have that type of connection because he know he knows his brother. So maybe he knew how Lee would react um, if he was to get into the whole circle or whatever like that. But I didn't even like um, the lack of a brotherly bond between Lee and Noah. Um, was there even a promising relationship in the whole movie? Like, <laughs> like I'm trying to think, and I'm because I mean, like he he lies to Rachel, so that that didn't work out. And you know, him and L, him and Noah, I, there was no like actually positive relationships that was not kind of forced um, in the whole movie. I will say that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree, like, okay, so let's examine this. You have L and Lee, which is, I get that you're best friends, and I get that you don't want to hurt your best friend, but they all they seem to do is lie to each other. Like, she yeah, lied to him in the beginning. from each other. First, yeah, she lied to him in the beginning, in the first one, about her relationship with Noah. Um, you kind of understand when you see, I'm not excusing it, but you kind of understand when you see the, the reaction, the reaction that she has, that he that he does end up having. And, and she like, knew okay. that he was going to have that reaction. That's that one reaction. reason why you can see why she lied to him. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, and even if it's like, even then, uh, he still makes her choose and he still sees how miserable she is, but he doesn't care. Um, so after Noah goes away to, to Boston and they're having this long distance relationship and they're feeling, and she's feeling, you know, she's missing him, trying to navigate life without him. He still, he ends up lying to Rachel when Rachel's saying, Hey, she's around too much. Can it just be you and I? And he always puts her above before Rachel. And he, he, in a sense, lies to her too, because he lies to Elle as well, because he never tells her the truth about how Rachel is feeling. Which break, so, which messes up their friendship between Rachel and Elle, because and Elle. neither one of them knew exactly where the other one stood and how they felt about him and their relationship with him. So that was, that was problematic. Um, and I get where she was coming from. I get the whole long distance thing because yes, I did that too. Uh, said we were both in college, freshman in college. But what we did is we decided to have an open relationship. Still not the best, but it, it takes communication and their lack of communication, that drove me crazy. That was one of the things like any relationship, I don't care if you live down the street from each other, it's based communication on Communication is number one. So when you're 3,000 miles apart, you definitely need to communicate. And she just took it up on herself to give him all this space and try to be mature. And she was ignoring his cause. And I guess that just comes in to show where, you know, like you said, her immaturity comes from. But even after he told her, 
I don't want space. We need to talk. You have to communicate with me. I don't know these things if you don't tell me. It still seems like they had an utter lack of communication. But I also think that part of their lack of communication was on um, Noah's reputation. On she was his first actual girlfriend as well. Like, you know, of course, the movie concentrates on the fact that he was Elle's first for everything. Because he, you know, he, he had lived his life before he got with her. But she was his first love. And she was his first real girlfriend. So he even had, like, his lack of communication. Even as he told her, you have to talk to me and tell me how you feel. You see times where he also lied to her. And he also kept things from her because he didn't want her to get too sensitive rather than communicating to her exactly who Chloe was. You mean to tell me that Noah is as cute as he is, he's as popular as he is, and he didn't notice the fact that his friend in college was gorgeous? And you didn't re- you didn't remember the fact that your girlfriend is going to be sensitive to that because she knows your reputation from when y'all were in the same school. So you don't address the fact that your friend is this gorgeous girl that you're always hanging with, and it's going to make your girlfriend insecure. So the lack of communication on both parts um, definitely played a role. As he wanted her to communicate, but he wasn't communicating himself either. I'm gonna take the easy way out on that. He's a guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're going to chop that one up to hashtag it's a guy thing. I, I get what you're saying, and I agree, but you know. That's not yeah. sissy, that's stereotype. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I feel like that's stereotyping is. Like, even if he's a guy, and okay, guys don't communicate. Like, guys are taught not to communicate as well, okay? Like, I, I get that. But you could at least acknowledge the fact that your friend in college was gorgeous. And, like, he's a guy. So it's just like, you know, and it, it gets, and for real, sometimes I'm not excusing it. I'm not trying to, <laughs> I, I'm not, because it drives me crazy, and I totally agree. But you know, sometimes guys, especially when it gets to the point where you know you're not sleeping with this person or you just get past that point where that initial attraction, you realize, okay, hey, this is what it is. We're just friends. It's just like, okay, I don't even see you like that anymore. Um, And some women do it too. You know, I've had friends like that where it's just like, he's cute. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's just so easy. Yeah, like that's, that's the, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, definitely on when you bring other people around, like your certain guy friends and they're like, ooh, like he's cute. Like introduce me. And I'd be like, wait, what? Like, yeah, like, like, (laughs) yeah, like dude, really? That, so from that standpoint, especially at the end when they finally do talk after the whole disastrous Thanksgiving thing, which is also brought on by a lack of communication. Yeah. Um, when he tells her that, in a sense, he'd always been jealous of what she and Lee had, just from the standpoint of he wanted to have someone in that in his life like that, someone who he could go to and just rely on that same type of friendship, and that's who Chloe had become for him. But um, I agree. Even he and Chloe had moments where it's like, okay, you're now my new best friend and you sleep in my bed and lose your earring and you don't even tell me? Like, what yeah, the hell? And then you don't even, like, look for it or ask if I've seen it? Like, come on now. You know, and I'm sorry, I'm not going all the way to Boston and I'm not going <laughs> to find and find an earring in my man's bed or and underneath And leave without bed. saying something. 
Exactly. Like, dude, what the hell was that? Like, no, we're going to have this out here and there. But, you know, I guess that was one of those things that they had to do to drive the story. But it, you know, we talked about this before. I think drama, having lived, having experienced the long distance and stuff like that, especially around that age, the drama comes just from being apart. Yeah. Um, the lack of communication. Yeah, the lack of communication, you're not going to tell everyone, you're not going to tell them everything. And just as you get used to living your life and navigating the new normal of being in college and being away, sometimes, you know, you miss the phone calls, the miscommunication and all of that. So that's just a normal thing. But this, the lack of communication here was just like blatant and it, it it wasn't necessary, I guess. I was saying it's too obvious, if that makes That's what sense. I was talking about with the um, contrived plot points of yeah. trying to add in drama that you didn't actually need to add in because the drama would have naturally, like, if, if you had written it well, like, the drama would naturally happen based on what was going on rather than having to put in these fake plot points to and add drama to the story, you know? And honestly, I think instead of playing on on Elle's insecurity, they had a perfect plot if he would have reversed it and played on his insecurity with her and Marco because that was chemistry. Like, uh, Elle and Marco had great chemistry, especially as they started dancing together and spending more time together. And that just the natural, just, you know, it was just natural. Their friendship was natural. And you saw it grow. You saw the growth of that. So I think it would have been better if they would have lifted, um, you know, and played on his insecurities as far as that goes. Because we really didn't see him and Chloe. We really didn't see the growth of the relationship with him, with him, with uh, between Noah and Chloe. Excuse me. We just saw that. Hey, um, the first month of college, Noah is always in his room. He hadn't really made a lot of friends or whatever. Then the next phone call or couple phone calls they have, all of a sudden he has all these friends and they're really good friends and all that. So we really didn't see how that relationship matured. Um, but, but we did, did both this- have a montage um, where you kind of see the connection between Noah and Chloe and then Marco and Elle, which I actually like because what it showed is although you're supposed to be cheering for Elle and Noah, you do see the chemistry between Elle and Marco during this montage and you see the chemistry between Chloe and um, Noah. Part of the reason is because Jacob looks like he's a junior in college and um, Joey King still looks like she can flow as a freshman in uh, high school. Yeah, so it, <laughs> and their height yeah. doesn't help either. So. It, yes, um, Jacob Ellerty is taller than what we thought. He he said himself he's actually six five. A lot of publications will have him listed as six two, but he's six five. So. Um, <laughs> but which is, which is fine. I, I, I love a tall man and he, he, he's gorgeous, but, um, <laughs> so a train of thought, can get back on the track. Okay. See what you had me do. <laughs> my bad, my bad. But, <laughs> but Marco, uh, Taylor Zakar Perez, he is also a very beautiful man and the chemistry I thought was great. Um, I wanted to see more of the story and 
I don't know. I guess it wouldn't have bothered me if Jacob and if Jacob and L had. I mean, excuse me, Jacob and L. If um, Noah and L had broken up, it it really wouldn't have. No, nope. um, me either. And I, I guess that may, that maybe that says something, but it, it would have been just a natural progression, I think, um, especially all the issues and the obstacles and maybe with them being so far away and them just realizing that, hey, we have our lives here and we'll be okay. Um, but, you know, at the end, uh, she gets in. She, so her the other big dilemma is where is she going, going to go to college? She has a choice between UC Berkeley and Harvard. Um, my top choice, of course, we know would probably be Harvard. I love the city of Boston. I always said if I if I went to law school, I would go to Harvard. So I'm I, I stand for Harvard. Although UC Berkeley is a damn good school, just putting that out there. Um, but when she gets into both schools at the end, again, she doesn't tell either one of them. Like she doesn't, but I think see that that goes back to the toxic relationships that she has with both Noah and Lee. Um, because I see, to be honest, like looking at the two schools, I see her having more fun at UC Berkeley um, with Lee, but I see her ending up going to Harvard um with Noah but not having as great of a time being at Harvard as she would at UC Berkeley like there's I just think like UC Berkeley would have more to offer her for her personality than Harvard would have to offer her which kind of shocked me on how Noah got into Harvard I mean he that means he's a smart bad boy so <laughs> like yeah a really it showed it in the, in the first one it showed when they went to lunch I don't know there's a scene like I have the first one memorized obviously I told you I watched it several several times but there's a scene where he's in the library and at lunch and she just goes in there one day and she's surprised that he's reading like this book and I didn't get I didn't get the uh, title of the book and he goes no I'm just looking at the pictures and then you know it talks oh, about yeah, him I that scene. it talks about him getting to the in, into Harvard and you know and no one really knew how smart he was because he hid it but you know so it it gave you it alluded to um how smart he was maybe that's See, why he I'm always gonna... got away with those fights is because, because he, he was so one smart of the top students in his class as well yeah I'm going to disagree with you on both I and it pains me to say this because I just told you about how much I love Harvard I wouldn't go to either school I, and I guess that's my thing is I think Elle needs to just get away and find out who she is because even when she was talking about her college essay you know when she finally figured out what to say the end she wanted to be everything for everyone else, but what was she going to be for her? She wanted to be her her happiness for her brother. She wanted to be someone else's smile. And it's just like, okay, but girl, who are you? Like your college years are the years for you to start discovering who you are. And you know, we never truly have that 100% figured out, I think, but end um, up that's the college with Marco. <laughs> Who said Marco was going to community college? Why you gotta put Marco community college? <laughs> he gonna go to UCL. He's gonna Marco. I see Marco at USC, which has a great arts program in acting or something like that. Yeah, so, you trying um, to you trying to make one of those schools, you know, make a list of those schools. But I just see it as in I feel that in the today's times, and the fact of saying that her father was not as 
her father wasn't rich. Like her father, um, you know, was just struggling to get by. Like, you know, I mean, they lived in a really nice house and everything like that. But compared to the Flynn's, where he said like, you know, um, we're gonna have to really work on this on depending on the college that you wanna go to because we can't afford it. The smart decision would be to go to community college. Like that's just my mindset. That's where I focus on. But I also feel that Marco is probably extremely rich, like the Flint's as well. Like that's just a hint that I got. I could be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I just feel like he's probably like from a very well-off family, just like Noah is. And he just didn't show it. Like, you know, he was just real chill back about it. Yeah, I want to give, I mean, I love the story of Marco. I love, uh, you know, I I found myself in some ways kind of rooting for them, not just as a spoiler, but I wanted to know more about the Marco character um, himself. So, but I guess that was my thing. So I hope, and I'm going to give this away already. Uh, it has, I'm not going to ask how you would feel about a sequel because it has already been revealed that The Kissing Booth Part 3 is going to come out next year. Um, they filmed it simultaneously with The Kissing Booth Part 2. So um, they kept that well under wraps, but there is going to be a Kissing Booth 3. Um, so maybe she'll surprise us and choose herself over Lee and over, <laughs> over Noah and... I still think Lee, that whole Lee, I think her friendship with Lee is really much more toxic than her relationship with Noah. I agree. I, I, I do. I think she would mature more with Noah than she ever will with Lee. I think her, Lee and Elle bring, like, keep each other in their immature um, ways. Um, and I don't think they'll grow together. I think Lee would more likely grow with Rachel because she's not about the nonsense and Elle would have to grow with Noah. Like she would be forced to grow um, being with Noah. I just think on, yes, she, she has chosen Noah before, but at the same time, she's so sensitive to Lee when she makes decisions that I can see her wanting to go to Harvard but ending up going to UC Berkeley for Lee and maybe not liking it and maybe having to transfer out or, you know, make that next decision of leaving him behind. But I can see her going to UC Berkeley for him. Yeah, which I still think it would be a mistake. I, you know, I'm all for a girl, go do you, find you a school that would be perfect for you. Ah, I, I know, go to Northern Davis, right? It, Go to Notre Dame. It's right in the middle of the country. Don't do it. Don't do it. So, so, so you're splitting the difference between two. Don't do it. <laughs> Go Irish. I, have, I plugged in my Irish. <laughs> I got in the requisite Irish plug. Yay. Okay. So um, what, one other thing that kind of drove me crazy and you brought it up was the gay storyline. I, it, it, yeah, it drove me crazy. It was cute. I think it would have been better if they were actual um, secondary characters and not third characters, you know, not just little- It was unnecessary. Yeah. So I think if they had actually been um, a part of the secondary cast, a main part of the secondary cast, I think it would have been better. And you actually spent more time watching that story grow rather than just leftover characters that they just threw in to, you know. It, it was like, I, I, I said this before, but um, kind of of the times, like I, sometimes, very, I'll put it out there. I'm a very, very liberal person. Everybody knows this. Very, very 
very open-minded um, and I'm all for it, but I'm all for it when it naturally happens. And I feel like they literally just dropped it into the movie. Like yeah. it had no, it had no purpose. There, there was no reason for it. Like, like it, those it characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's like those characters didn't even have serve a real purpose in exactly. the movie. Exactly. Like, like it said. wasn't like they were the best friends of anyone. All of a sudden, like she kind of has a friendship with the uh the jock dude, but I'm just like, you didn't before. Like, who are you? Like, why are you here? Kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like it was a force. It was literally dropped yeah. in and we were just supposed to like be like, oh yay, fun times. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not falling for it. Yeah, so if they had a previous relationship or even if they had just built, spent some time building the relationship in this movie, I could have understood it more. Yeah. But, but um, you know, um, so that takes us to, we already know it's going to get a sequel. Yes. It is time to rape this bad boy. How <laughs> many popcorns are you giving Kissing Booth 2? Um, I am going to give Kissing Booth 2... Oh my gosh, I, to be honest, I haven't, I didn't really think about it. <laughs> so like, I want to say like two and a half. Can I say like 2.75? Sure. Someone <laughs> ate the first. It's one of those where you get to the movies. Exactly. You know what this is? You know what the 2.75 is? It's when you get to the movies and you want that fresh bucket of hot popcorn and you see the buck, you see the popcorn popping and then when you get the popcorn it's mixed with some of that old stale popcorn yes yes exactly. and so it's like you start it and you have high hopes and then as soon as you get past that top layer you start tasting that old stale popcorn and you're like dude yeah <laughs> so exactly i like i love your explanation so i'm gonna do 2.75 popcorns for um, Kissing Booth 2. And the three reasons why is because of the toxic relationships within the movie, not just this one, but also the first one that I noticed right off the bat as I was watching it. The second thing is the contrived storylines and plot lines that were unnecessary. The lack of communication um, was just it, it, it was just didn't need to be there. So because of those, like, yeah, you're gonna get the 2.75 popcorn. Sorry, you couldn't even make it to three. But what about you, Eddie? What are you gonna rate it for the popcorn? Um, see, you were higher than I was. I was gonna Ooh. give it two and a half. Oh. Um, <laughs> and it pains me to say that because Jacob Ellerty is a great actor. Um, check out Euphoria. Um, on HBO and it, it, it shows a different range. And Joey King is, she's really good too. So it wasn't the acting. I think it was basically the script, um, yes. the plot lines. I, I didn't enjoy it as much as the first one. And I know sometimes for sequels, that's a little hard because you always try to use the same formula to recapture the magic and it doesn't work to tell a continuing story. Um, I think if they would have flipped the script and had played on, Jay, on um, Noah's insecurities and had him looking for, checking for Elle and showing that, hey, this is affecting me just as much as it's affecting her, then I think that would have been a better story for this. And so I'm really interested, having said all that, I am interested to see what they do with the Kissing Booth 3 and how it turns out. So I will yes, say- I have to I finish the series. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I will, so don't mistake the low rating as me just totally hating it. It was just, you know, it, it, I think it could have been a lot better. And I guess it, it, it covers my disappointment in the movie considering I had high hopes for it. Um, but maybe, you know, the three will bookend it. This might be like Bad Boys 2, no offense, you know. Um, the first Bad Boys was awesome. Bad Boys 2 was there. And Bad Boys for Life was just like, Bad Boys for Life was like hella good. So maybe Kissing Booth 3 will be, you know, it will be You know a perfect example of this um, is To All the Boys I've Loved. Um, I, I, I think because the first one, like I, like, just like you like the Kissing Booth, I love the first To All the Boys I've Loved. Like I could watch it over and over and over again. The second one, I liked, I enjoyed watching it, but at the same time, it gave me the same feeling as The Kissing Booth too, on certain things. And I was just like lack of communication, everything like that. So I think I'm hoping the third one for that is also really good. So I would compare Kissing Booth with To All the Boys I Love series on how I feel. Okay, well, we're gonna save the to all our boy to all the boys for a different discussion. <laughs> and that does it for us today on this episode of the Popcorn Wind Down. And be sure to join us next week when we discuss the Bangtan Boys, also known as BTS. Yes, I can't wait. And by then, they will have re- released their new single, Dynamite, which we will probably have listened to a million times. So be sure to check us out. And until next time, I'm Eddie. And I'm Tammy. Bye.